Oh shit, it's the coin toss. <laughs> What's up, guys? What's up, Trey? What's up, Derek? What's up, John? What's up? What's good? Snake attack. Yeah. Snake attack. Snake in the grass. Tarek heads or tails? Tails always. Yeah, it's because you're always wrong. All right, so topically, we have Geo getting released from the Bengals, but we also have Jordan Howard signing on the Eagles. A little blast from the past on both sides. So uh, you said tails. That means you're taking uh, Joe Mixon's side. Support Joe Mixon. Let's support his case on uh, the Bengals for what, what do you have him running back? Uh, I think I have Joe Mixon at running back 17. All right. Well, support your case on that. Does that improve? Well, I don't think it can hurt Joe Mixon that Gio Bernard is gone because every time Gio Bernard was out, Joe Mixon usually balled out. So he went in any game that Gio didn't play. Joe Mixon had at least a 12% target share and he averaged somewhere around 18 points per game in PPR. Well, John, so Howard signed on the Eagles, Miles Sanders already hurting for goal line carries. Why don't you support Miles Sanders case on this one? Why are we still taking him as high as you are? Well, hey, it's all about offensive line improvement. Last year was a shit show on that offensive line, and it's it's only got one direction to go. I'm not afraid of Jordan Howard. That guy's a has-been. He can vulture everything he wants. Miles Sanders is running for 1,100 yards next year. He's top 11 for me. I love that. I love it. All right, well, uh, heads or tails, Trey, what do we got here? I'll take uh, heads. That's the right choice. I'm glad somebody finally did it. So I'll actually give you the choice on this one then. Uh, so we have uh, Ronald Jones and we have Leonard Fournette. You're a dynasty manager. Who do you prefer? So I like Ronald Jones uh, because he's younger. I think he's got the talent to uh, take over the lead role in that offense. Uh, but it's closer than you think. You know, I think Fournette actually could end up being the lead back in that backfield. So I know that equivocates a little bit, but... Ron Jones has the talent, the breakaway speed, the athleticism to take over that backfield if things break his way. All right, cool. I'm hopping in on Leonard Fournette's side then because Leonard Fournette was recruited by Tom Brady. Tom Brady is like, come on back here. We're getting another one going. And there could not be more doubt in the Ronald Jones case, right? Like they're just just hoping for somebody else signing. If Leonard Fournette left, they would have signed somebody else. Ronald Jones is a sell now. Get the fuck out of that situation. Is there a better love story out there than Mitchell, James Yates, and Tom Brady? Oh. <laughs> Give it to me, Brady. <laughs> this guy's the secret Pats fan. Uh, we all knew he is. The not so secret Pats fan. Look, man, I'll be I'll be a Pats fan when he leaves and go to like Tampa or some shit. There it is. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry Tibanshuya. With me, as always, are my friends, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. John, you heard the question, man. What the fuck's going on? You know what? I, I'm, I'm feeling a little funny. I just got the second vaccine shot, uh, so if I sound a little loopy today... It's probably because of all the whiskey I drank. But hey, I was fi- I wanted to t- I wanted to address something that happened last episode where uh, my mic cut out. 
I feel a little shortchanged because I didn't get to talk about my wide receiver. So just really quickly, I was hoping I could jump in and talk about my wide receiver. I got I got some notes here. This guy is my uh, wide receiver too. He's a six six. 245, four, 43 receptions <laughs> last year for 770 yards in only seven and a half games at the University of Florida. Wide receiver for... He, he actually printed out a picture of Kyle Pitts. That's wide receiver too. I didn't get to talk... How did we not talk about Yo, wide you, receiver two last dude, week? Dude, if you think Pitts would... Okay, if he was smart enough, don't you think he would have like uh, applied for the draft as a wide receiver? What are you talking about, buddy? He wants to make that money. You can say whatever you want about Kyle Pitts, but Kyle Pitts is wide receiver two of this class, and I don't really give a shit what you think. Jesus Christ. All right. Anyway. Trey, what's going on with you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting back on Twitter, you know, so uh, it's been fun interacting with uh, John, trying to run our our Twitter handle and and learning uh, in his older age. So uh, I guess an old dog can learn new tricks. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, follow at TLG underscore Dynasty. I'll I'll put all of our handles in the description of this podcast. Mitch, how you doing, man? I'm good. I just I honestly think brisket prices are too high, and that's really been upsetting me lately. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Let's lower the cost of brisket. But uh, John, <laughs> shut the fuck up, dude. Let's start the show. <laughs> too damn high. All right, so I'm really excited to talk about rookie running backs today, but before we do, we're going to talk about the big news of the week, and that is the Sam Darnold trade. So Sam Darnold was traded from the Jets to the Panthers for a sixth-round pick this year, as well as a second and a fourth in 2022, so pretty good haul for the Jets there. Let's start with Darnold himself. Mitch, um, how are you evaluating Darnold in Matt Rule's offense in Carolina? Well, you know, I like this phrase. I've been amped to fucking say it. I'm going to prep it and I'm going to say it. Old Wax Darnold had a farm and that farm fucking sucked in New York, dude. Like the poor guy, he, he, he did as, as well as he could, which was very, very bad. And we have the mercy killing. We have the release, mercifully released to Carolina. And, like, they traded a lot for him, surprisingly. So, you know, yeah, you got to think they're at least committed enough to put the pieces together. Robbie Anderson's excited. He hasn't seen anything like CMC, DJ Moore. Like, this is exciting. Um, if you're trying to buy low-medium, get after it because in Superflex, this guy might actually help you out yeah i think you could make the argument that sam darnold is now worth a late first maybe like 112 in a Superflex league um if you're trying to buy him is that a little too expensive yeah, maybe i'm i'm like well first of all i entered at like a late two but like an early two i feel like would be where i'd feel comfortable buying he's only 23 mitch it's only 23. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've seen uh, people say that a lot on Twitter, that he's only 23 years old. Doesn't he turn 24 in like a couple months? Like well before the season starts. Trey, so. he's only 23. What are you he's, talking he's about? Only 23, only 23, Trey. Come on. Yeah, He's only 23. <laughs> yeah, I'm, he's only 23 and he's been sucking in the NFL for a full three years. For, for longer than some of the guys who are about to be rookies, for sure. Um, yeah. And who are the same age. Uh I really don't understand the trade from Carolina's perspective. I guess they were just kind of not having any luck on the trade market with anybody else wanting to let them move up in the draft. And they just decided, well, 
at least a quarterback competition is better than giving the reins back to to Teddy for one more year. And you think it's a competition? Well, it, I I think it will be because I have serious doubts that Darnold is going to be like the answer at quarterback. He he ha- certainly hasn't been the answer so far in his career, and he's had what three years to prove it already. That's fair. That's fair. Three years with Adam Gase, but I mean, even with Adam Gase, he's been legitimately one of the worst uh, quarterbacks in the NFL over the last couple of years. John, uh, let me throw it over to you. Give us a minute or two about what we can expect from the weapons in Carolina uh, because of this move. Well, I think CMC is probably quarterback proof. I'm not worried about him. He's still my running back one, but I'm a little concerned about DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. I think DJ Moore is probably the safer bet right now. I think his stock's probably unchanged. 2019, when he was getting thrown the ball by Kyle Allen, he was wide receiver 18 last year with Teddy, wide receiver 22. I think he's going to, I think Darnold's probably closer to Kyle Allen in terms of like throwing it deep, uh, but he's probably safe. Robbie, I'm a little more concerned about right now. Uh, Robbie Anderson was wide receiver 24. He had over a thousand yards uh, receiving last year, but when he was with Darnold in 2018, 2019, 750 yards both years. So uh, if I'm Robbie Anderson, I'm probably a little concerned that Darnold's coming back, but you know, it's kind of wait and see. I, I'm not selling. I'm not buying. I'm just holding until I see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Trey, talk to us a little bit about what this means for the Jets. I mean, ostensibly, we're going to see Zach Wilson get picked there at number two overall. So how are you evaluating this now? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. So it removes all doubt that they're going quarterback at number two. Uh, not that there was really any doubt uh, before this uh, trade came out. It does seem like all signs are pointing to Zach Wilson there being the uh, the quarterback in New York. I think it's probably good news for the weapons in New York, but again, this isn't really new information uh, based on what we we knew going into the year. Uh, I'm interested to see what uh, the Jets do at some of these other skill positions, if they go back to the wide receiver well in the draft or if they uh, bring in a running back uh, to pair in the backfield with Wilson. So there's definitely uh, a lot of opportunity in New York uh, for for targets and uh, you know, work for these skill position players, but not really too much changes with uh, Darnold out the door. Yeah. Speaking of running backs in the draft, let's go ahead and jump into our first half content. So we're going to talk just like we did last week. We're using DLF ADP. Um, So we're going to talk about the top eight rookie running backs. In the first half, we're just going to focus on the top three because these are the guys that everybody knows about. And these are the guys that everybody wants to hear about. Um, and, you know, they deserve a little bit more attention. And then in our second half, we'll kind of get through uh, the bottom five. So before we jump into this running back one, John, will you give me some overall impressions of this running back class as a totality, kind of com- maybe compared to the last couple? Or what, what are you thinking about this running back class? Well, I think that at the top, we've got three solid options. And then it's a lot of question marks after that. I think the draft's going to answer a lot of those questions. Uh, I think that we could have as many as four or five uh, running backs go in the first round of rookie drafts, but it's much more likely that all three of these running backs that we're about to talk about are going to go in the first five picks of rookie drafts. And uh, that if you, if you need a running back, you got to get him early because uh, a lot of these guys are question marks and uh, I I wouldn't be surprised to see those three running backs go. And then the next nine picks are wide receivers. And yes, I'm including Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver. Yeah. And 
So as it stands right now, it kind of seems like there should be three first round running backs. And after that, um, at least pre NFL draft, can't really see any of four and on going inside of the first round of a one QB uh, rookie draft. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely would. Just and it's not necessarily a knock on these second tier running backs, but the wide receiver class is so deep. It's so deep that uh, if you don't need a running back, you should almost trade back just to get these wide receivers you want uh, and just you'll, you'll be able to cash in for somebody who does need a running back. All right. Uh, the number one running back in DLF ADP. He is also our consensus number one running back in our rankings. His name is Najee Harris. Uh, he's a senior running back from Alabama. He just turned 23 years old not that long ago. Number one recruit coming out of high school. So ahead of both Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift. So some first round ADP running backs out of the 2020 class there. He's six foot two, 230 pounds. He didn't work out at his pro day, but you know, we know he's not a burner. He's quick, more quick than fast. In his first two years at Alabama, he was really efficient as a runner on limited touches because he was competing with a lot of running back talent there at Alabama. And he really takes over in his junior year in 2019, 209 rushes, 1,224 yards and 13 touchdowns adds 27 receptions for 304 yards and seven touchdowns through the air. Decides somewhat surprisingly to come back for his senior season, posts 251 rushes for 1,466 yards and 26 touchdowns as a runner in 2020, just blows up. And he also adds 425 yards and four touchdowns as a receiver on 9.9 yards per catch, which is pretty impressive for a running back. Mitch, what do you think about Najee Harris here? Well, thank you for addressing me first here. Because I think the one number you missed was the uh, number that he changed his jersey to this year. What number was that? Oh, did he? Uh, the old deuce deuce. Trey, you're giving me that. The old Derrick Henry The old Derrick well, Henry number? Well, here's the deal, man. Uh, he, wanted to, he wanted to give the look. He wanted to give that Derrick Henry look, right? Uh, we're talking, uh, you read the stats off. He was insane. He was big, strong. And he wanted to represent that number 22. Uh, he's a little different than Derrick Henry, though. He's not Derrick Henry, but he held it down for Alabama, and he is holding it down for the number one running back. Derrick Henry went in the second round. Najee, he's not going to go in the second round. Yeah, I mean, most likely he, he does look like he's projecting to go at the end of the first round. Uh, I have seen some mocks that have him fall into the second. Um, I mean, we, I guess we just won't know uh, for another month from now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's not quite as big as uh, King Henry, but he's definitely got some of that power and that speed combo uh, in him. He's got real good um, speed for his size with that 446 uh, 40. Um, that gives him a speed score of uh, 116, which is uh, in the 85th percentile, which is uh, top of the class for sure. So we definitely like seeing that from the, the analytics perspective. Uh, the one thing where I guess there's a little bit of uh, concern is... Um, you know, be, there's a, a Bama effect there with the late breakout and not really like totally um, establishing himself until like his junior year or so. But, you know, there's enough smart people projecting him at number one that I'm inclined, inclined to agree with him. Well, uh, I, I watch a lot of college football and I just got to say Najee is one of the most, I, I, I just feel joy watching him play. 
one of my favorite moments is when he uh he he jumped over the guy and he and totally hurtled over him and he just makes it look so simple it's hard to find anything that i don't like about naji uh if there's any knock any nitpick you can get is probably his pad level i think he runs upright which is hard to do at the nfl level he's going to get away with it at alabama um but the pad level is not great but literally everything else he he won the doke walker award for a reason as the best running back but the thing that i think it, that's going to make him a three down back is his pass protection i didn't see anybody else on film who was better at the pass pro than him he's uh he's an excellent receiver he's excellent pass protection he's going to be on the field for three downs and i think that increases his uh, fantasy value exponentially as a result. Yes, 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 yes. He is a day one starter. He went back to school. He improved his hands. He doubled his catches. He literally, he went from 27 to 43. He literally doubled his catches. Like, he went back to show that he can do it. And that that is against my Derrick Henry comparison. But it, it's a it's a good representation of what he was trying to do. And we're going to look at all these guys. We're going to say, hey, Dolphins, Bills, Steelers, like Falcons. Yeah, those are all great spots. But like John said, like he's pick proof. Wherever he goes, we're going to feel very confident in all of his abilities. So Najee is the safest, but definitely the number one running back. Yeah, I'll, I'll pile on some more love, man. The the work that he did in the passing game is super impressive. Uh, 13.4% college target share. He caught uh, 37 uh, passes as a junior, 48 as a, a senior. So he, he got the workload. And uh, yeah, I've got a fun comp for you guys. Uh, he looks a lot like uh, Matt Forte to me, but uh, about 10 pounds heavier. And think about how he was able to just take the world by storm as a rookie. I think the, the ceiling is there for Najee Harris. Um, I certainly remember the work he put on uh, Notre Dame in the college football playoffs. So it was a sad day for me as, a, as an alum, but uh, it, it was an impressive performance for sure. You're just saying, if only Matt Forte had a little bit more Forte, Trey, that what you're throwing out there. Yeah, I mean, if he was just 10 pounds heavier and, you know, I, I think he was uh, like pick, like middle of the second round back in 2008. Uh, I could see Najee definitely going before there. That's, uh, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good comp. I like it. Uh, I think an underrated aspect uh, of, his, of his profile is that what he did against the highest level of competition. He didn't he didn't have worse games against the best competition. He had excellent games against the best competition. And he's a little bit older, right? We we maybe have talked about that before, but I'm not concerned about it cuz when I'm drafting a rookie, I'm drafting for that 3 to 4 5 years that I've got him on that rookie contract, and I just think Najee's going to destroy the league in those first 3 to 5 years. So I'm drafting him as RB1 with a lot of confidence consensus number one for us oh yeah easy yeah i i uh i really like that matt forte comp trey i had written down levy on bell or i see a little bit of levy on bell in his game but i actually like matt forte a little bit more as far as like run style goes you know he makes a lot out of a little and he makes something out of nothing and, so, and all three um, of these guys very involved in the passing game yeah extremely good pass catchers i think uh, Najee Harris may have the most natural hands in this class outside of maybe a smaller guy that we're going to talk about later. Um, 
But let's move on to our consensus number three running back, uh, which is number two in DLF ADP. So we're going down DLF ADP, but we have him as our consensus number three. And that's out of uh, Clemson, Travis Etienne. Uh, he's a senior, 22 years old, measured in at his pro day at five foot 10, 215. Uh, so his playing weight is widely considered to be about 10 to 15 pounds lighter than that. But despite the size, he still ran a purported 4-4-4 at his pro day. So with the added size, that's an impressive time. He came in as a freshman, uh, as a true freshman, and led the team in rushing with only 107 carries. Sophomore and junior seasons were kind of his statistically incredible years. Um, in 2018, he had 204 rushes for 1,658 yards and 24 whopping touchdowns uh, as a sophomore. And then as a junior, he had 207 rushes for 1,614 yards and 19 touchdowns. He's he, he was less efficient as a runner as a senior, but he compiled 48 receptions for 588 yards and two touchdowns through the air in 2020. And that was at an impressive 12.2 yards per catch, getting the ball uh, from number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence. Trey, um, I, I think you have Travis Etienne ranked the highest out of all of us. So uh, why don't you talk to us about Travis? I do. I actually have him a lot closer to uh, Najee Harris than I do to uh, Javante Williams, who you guys all like more. And um, talk about a little bit of the reasons why. So there's a guy, um, David Zach. He, he writes for Fantasy Pros and Dynasty Nerds at David Zach on Twitter. He developed the uh, the fantasy Z score, and I was looking into this a little bit into uh, a way to you know analytically evaluate some of these running back prospects. So it's a combination of uh, different factors that can all be like categorized as like one draft capital, two athleticism, three production, and four their tape grade. Right. So uh, I mean that's pretty standard with like a lot of different um, metrics out there, but. Just run through those with me real quick. So draft cap, he's the only other guy who's projected to go first round with Najee. Uh, the athleticism is there. Uh, he's got 79th percentile on his speed score. He's got 64th percentile on his burst. Uh, you know, he's got the size uh, for the pros at uh, 215 pounds and that 30.8 BMI. And he's also got the production profile, right? Four very productive years at Clemson, like you already mentioned. He's got the 12.2% college target share. He's got, um, you know, the early breakout uh, age with the uh, 1,658 scrimmage yards as a sophomore. And then if you get over to the tape scores, so the uh, the guy that David Zach uh, recommends is uh, Lance Airline on uh, NFL.com. And Travis Etienne actually comes in with the top NFL.com rookie grade for this draft class at 6.71, projecting as a year one quality starter. So it's just across the board. There's no red flags. He's still my number two, but I'm... Uh, unlike you guys, I'm a little bit more confident in him than uh, Javante Williams and obviously the other guys further down the list. I think that with Etienne, I can see him moving in to my number two spot in certain situations. Uh, but I think he's got to be used correctly because he's w w he's really good with the speed, right? He's next level speed. There's not a lot of comps to his speed, the acceleration, the burst. He's got that. When I went back and watched his film, I tried to focus on the 2019 stuff. In 2020, offensive line at Clemson wasn't quite as good. Different team. But in 2019, he, his film was outrageously good. I think we, he, and he did it against the best competition 
in the college football playoff, the semifinal, he he was scoring a rushing touchdown and uh, he had like a nice screen pass that he ran for like 80 yards. And he, he excelled against the best competition. So we know what his ceiling is. It's very high. My concerns, however, are uh, in the passing game because before this year, he wasn't, he didn't, that, that was the joke. Like he didn't know how to catch the ball. And he improved that a lot this year. I think he's better than average as a pass as a receiver now. But the pass protection, I think, is the problem. Uh, I I think it's going to be something that inhibits him from staying on the field for all three downs, because that's the weakest part of his game. I don't see him uh, laying down a lot of blocks on guys. I see him miss a few uh, blocks here and there, and if that's the sort of thing that's just not going to cut it in the NFL. Um, so that's a concern. But the nice thing is that's something that can be taught. So if he can get that corrected, then I'm right there with you, Trey. If he's in the right situation, I can definitely see him as an RB2. He's my RB3, but um, a little bit more destination-specific, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. The questions about the pass blocking. I Admittedly, I didn't break down a ton of film on Swift. Uh, just looking at some of the notes on uh, that Zerline had, it was uh, he was good at like some of the diagonal blocking. You know, getting the blitzers off the edge. He wasn't really excelling at squaring up some of the bigger guys. Um, so definitely some room for improvement there. But it can be know, taught. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see it. Mitch, I don't what know. Do you think? I well, I've I've been like scratching my my neck, going, hey. Hey, can I jump in on this? It's because I hate him. And like, I don't hate him as you hate Travis Etienne. (laughs) Yeah, I do. But I hate him at the price. I hate him at the price. I think that like we're overvaluing the living hell out of him. And, and like he looks like one of those super fast guys that looks really, really good in open field, but like it's going to take a very specific coach to get him in that open field because the NFL is a little different. I looked at him versus Notre Dame and I compared him versus our, our, our next guy that we're going to talk about. And it was drastically different when he didn't have that space. He couldn't work with it. Every time he, he lacks space, he's just taken down. His speed is incredible. And I love that, but it's going to take a lot of work from an offensive coordinator to get him in that space. So yeah, I, I hate him. I, I think he lacks that, that instinct. I think that, yeah, no, I, I don't think he's as good of a football player. I think he's an amazing athlete, but I think he lacks the football instinct. And so I'm over here, I'm hitting the eject button, but that's what we do best boys. Right. We disagree. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the all-time leading rusher in the ACC, and and yeah, he did get bottled up in the first game against Notre Dame, uh, but he he certainly uh, redeemed himself the second time in the championship, the ACC championship. Yeah, my my concerns with Travis Etienne have to do with what I think is average vision, and I think Mitch was getting that uh, getting at that a little bit. And I also think he's really touted. A lot of people are saying that he's the best pass catcher in this class. And I think he has much less natural hands than a guy like Najee Harris. Um, so I, I think, like Mitch said, incredible long speed, incredible acceleration. But I also agree with John. Like if he lands in San Francisco in a Kyle Shanahan system that can get him in space, his ceiling is extremely high because he's just going to be a supercharged version of Raheem Mostert. You know, so I think in that situation, he'd be my RB2, but situation neutral, I'm taking the next guy we're going to talk about. What do you think if uh, he lands up, lands there with his uh, former teammate in Jacksonville? How do you like that? Him and Trevor again. J- James Robinson owners everywhere would be uh, 
<laughs> be the saddest man on earth. With ETN, I mean, he could go late first, he could go early second. So there's a wide range of possibilities and landing spots. So I'm not even going to try to guess. Let's let's see where he lands in a, a month from now. Guys, let's move on to DLF ADP's number three running back. And he happens to be our consensus number two running back. You probably already know who he is out of the University of North Carolina junior running back Javante Williams nickname of Pookie. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> he is comes in at five foot nine and a half, 212 pounds at his pro day, which I think he actually might play at a higher weight around 220 or so. Uh, he just kind of came in and his workout body at the pro day ran a four five five forty, which is fine. Shouldn't have been expecting super speed, uh, 36 inch vertical, which is nice. And he also ran a 6.933 cone, which demonstrates his lateral quickness. Um, he's pretty impressive in 2019 as a sophomore and then remarkable in 2020 on even less rushing attempts than he had in 2019. So in 2020, he had 157 rushes for 1,140 yards and 19 touchdowns. He added 25 receptions for 305 yards and three touchdowns. So he scored a touchdown on every 7.9 touches, which is really impressive. John, you have Javante Williams at your running back two in this class. What do you think? It's hard to find something not to like. He's got excellent vision, excellent physicality. He's of these three guys. I think he's the only guy that uh, has the right pad level. He looks like the best natural running back in, in this class to me. Uh, if I want to nitpick, I, I see him get caught from behind a lot. Uh, you don't see Najee or uh, that happening to Etienne either. Uh, but the thing about Javante that sets him apart from everyone else is the the breaking of tackles. This guy, mm -hmm. he, he'd never get, I never saw him once get taken down in the backfield. I see him juke. I see him break the tackles and he can turn a negative one yard play into a five yard play, which I think is an undervalued asset uh, for a uh, running back to have. Now he's was the Doak Walker. He was a Doak Walker semifinalist and a 2020 AP second team all American. So this is a pretty well decorated guy. He's just overall good, right? Like I said, the game speed, you can nitpick that. But in my mind, he's the least landing spot dependent guy in this class. I think he could go just about anywhere and be a reliable uh, running back. Now, you, you mentioned all those stats. And what's very impressive to me about that was that he wasn't even the only running back in that, in that squad. We're going to talk about another guy later on. He had a prolific season. And... He, it, he wasn't even on the field on third down a lot of the time. Now, my only, the only thing, the only red flag that I've been able to identify is I couldn't find any tape uh, against his best competition, which would have been Clemson or Texas A&M. Clemson wasn't his fault. They didn't play Clemson this year, but he did not play in the bowl game against Texas A&M. So everything we saw would be, I, I, I don't want to call it lower quality competition because North Carolina isn't exactly considered upper echelon in terms of uh, quality, generally speaking, but I would have liked to have some tape from Clemson or Texas A&M just to get me over that edge. And if I could see him dominate against those folks, that'd be great. And what we did have, and Trey will like this, uh, we did have tape against Notre Dame. And guess what? That was easily, easily his worst game by a mile. So it's a little bit of a concern there, but I'm still, I'm still thinking he's going to be a really solid running back regardless of where he lands. Well, actually, John, you say this is worst game. That was one of my favorite films to actually watch because it still showcased his ability to lower that shoulder. Like you said, 
get that good pad level and lower the shoulder and get those extra yards. So sure, he may not have piled up all the stats, but he still looked like the guy that would translate to the NFL. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about running backs that will translate to the NFL level as an NFL running back. And that's why he's that much higher than his partner, Mr. Carter, right? Like he actually looks apart. He actually looks a part of a running back. That's why we, well, three out of four of us anyway, have him higher than Etienne. Like that's that's a pretty big deal. Like we're different than the community on that one. But simply because he plays running back like a running back, no matter what his situation is, he's going to get that first crack at it. He, he He's not location dependent. So let, let me give you game. guys, because we've talked about it a little bit back and forth now. So the main reason, a, a few things to like about ETN over Williams. So ETN had a career 7.2 yards per carry in college and Williams had a 6.3. So it did take him a little bit uh, of time to get going. Um, and he, he, he didn't even get that. Well, ETN was a full yard per carry better. Um, it's also the speed score, right? So player profiler has a four, six, two for uh, Javante Williams. They just put up today. So that's that pro day adjustment. And that gets his uh, speed score down to the 50th percentile, which isn't really, um, do you have an arm tackling score? <laughs> an arm, well, I mean, look, yeah, the guy, I, I, the guy breaks tackles, right? Um, and, and Etienne maybe makes guys miss, right? So they both create opportunities for themselves in different ways. Um, Etienne also gets involved in the passing game, whereas uh, Javante Williams had the 8.4% college target share, and he didn't hit more than 20 catches until his senior season. So it's possible that he ends up in a situation where he's really more of a one and two down guy versus Etienne and Najee where they're playing all three downs. I buy that. Do, it's possible. Do, do, I, I definitely, I can see that because that's more or less how he's used at UNC anyhow. But let me just ask you this real quick, Trey. Does the two-year age difference make any difference to you at all between Javante and Etienne? Uh, well, no. I mean, we you, you mentioned earlier, right? You don't really think about the, the age difference when it comes to these rookies. You're, you're going to get them for their five years. Uh, they're on their rookie deal, assuming they're a first-round pick. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sweating that. He's currently my running back too, because kind of like Mitch indicated, I just think he's overall an all around better football player than Travis Etienne. The contact balance, just insane kind of Kareem Hunt level. We talked about broken tackles per PFF. He had the most broken tackles in a single season and the history of their database. Um, and you can take issue with PFF's methodology, but um, no matter how you slice it, he's a, he's a break tackle machine. Um, but Etienne has a higher ceiling at the NFL level, so I reserve the right to change my mind. And, and do, don't get do, me wrong, I, guys. I think Javante Williams, uh, Etienne, and Harris are the clear-cut you know, top three in this class, and there's a big gulf between them and the rest of this class. So, yeah, I think they all deserve to go in the top half of first rounds and uh, one QB leads. Javante leads. Williams is higher than Etienne. Sorry, John. I, I don't mean to cuck you in the corner it's like fine. that, dude. It's like fine. No, hey. I just, I don't think it's that close. I really don't. I think Etienne, Etienne, I, I'm sorry, Etienne is just going to be one of those like sideshows. I think Javante is actually going to get a shot in the NFL. That's harsh words. John, did you want to have a final word? I just, I want to piggyback off what Trey just said there. Uh, I don't think there's anything that could happen in the draft that changes this, these three guys from being at the top of the draft class. 
Uh, the order may change, but I think this is a pretty clear cut one, two, three here. Absolutely. I think that's something that we can say really clearly to our listeners. No matter what happens in landing spot, these are the top three running backs, and there is a massive gulf uh, between three and four. Okay, let us do our halftime segment. So just a reminder for everyone, halftime is a segment in which I ask our three panelists here a question, and they respond with an argument-based answer, and I pick who had the best argument um, based on my own opinion, my own bias. So, you know, the points don't matter, but uh, let's keep it going. John won last week, so our running total is John won and Mitch and Trey holding up a donut. So here's the question. Who is a running back in the top 12 of DLF's Dynasty ADP that is overvalued in your opinion? And I'm going to go ahead and start with Trey. All right. So my guy is Alvin Kamara, who's currently going ADP number four in these uh, startup ranks. Um, I have him a little bit lower than that, but I, I could see an argument to have him down as low as number 10. I think there is a big risk right now with what's happening at the quarterback situation with them uh, not really committing to Jameis over Taysom Hill, which means we could see a lot of Taysom Hill this year, in which case there could be a lot of teams stacking the box against Kamara and really keying on him and forcing Hill to beat them with uh, his arm, which I don't think he can do. And uh, I just really see, a, uh, I just don't see a clear path to him getting 80 uh, catches again without Drew Brees as his uh, quarterback. So yeah, I think that kind of combined with his age and who else you can get in the top 10, I could see him dropping down a few spots and I'm totally fine if you want to sell him uh, early before that drop-off comes. All right, Alvin Kamara coming from Trey. Next, we're going to Mitch. All right, I'm getting cold feet. I'm kind of, I'm getting nervous about Ezekiel Elliott here where like he was the staple he was the guy he was spectacular in his rookie year his second year uh-oh uh-oh it's been getting worse since right he's what 25 he'll be 26 this year and we're we're already looking we're already looking to the future we're already looking at Dak and his future targets we're looking at tony pollard as a, an up-and-coming back and here's the thing we're we're looking at Zeke as like a top 12 back and if you're if you're drafting you can't feel good about drafting him in the top 12 my goodness that like you might be in a rebuild mode after that uh, you don't know that uh, that's my argument though let's go all right put a nice bow on that one Mitch. <laughs> all right john your turn who is a running back you're devaluing in the top 12, John? I will take the low-hanging fruit, and I'm going to say that uh, Cam Akers is being overvalued as not just a top 12 running back in startups right now, but I think as number seven. I think he was only, in my rankings, he would have been like number six in the last rookie class, like number seven running back overall. Okay, I get it. Like Mike, Mike Clay projects him to have, what, 1,000 yards, 11 TDs next year. That's good. That's really good. I think that's good enough to be maybe number 12, but I think that's the absolute ceiling. I think it's more likely that this offense is going to return to being pass happy and that the running back situation will be more of a committee. 
Uh, I like Cam Akers. I think he's fine, but I don't see him as a top seven running back overall. And I just don't see, I get the same vibes right now that I was getting of Miles Sanders at the beginning of last season. He's just being drafted at his absolute ceiling and uh, I'm not comfortable taking him there. Okay. So we had Alvin Kamara from Trey. Mitch took Ezekiel Elliott and John took Cam Akers. Uh, I thought John started off a little bit slow. I don't care what Mike Clay projects. Um, and But then he, you know, his argument started getting better toward the end. I think Mitch started strong and kind of teetered off at the end. Classic. And I think the person who had a consistent logical argument all throughout is my boy Trey. So I'm giving him the point. Yes. All right. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Congrats. Just so you guys know, these these are the correct three dudes to fade in the top 12. So I had it Kamara, Akers, Zeke in that order. So this was yeah, a, a mind yeah. held. I actually got upset, Trey, because I had like a page on Kamara. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was shaking my head like, no, like I, uh, but fuck you anyway. Congrats. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, Congrats, pal. Trey. Let's get back into these rookies. That's more exciting. Okay, so let's start this second half. We're going to go through running backs four through eight here. And at running back four, according to DLF ADP, we have Kenneth Gainwell. He was uh, He's a redshirt sophomore from Memphis, and he really only played one year, and that was in 2019 because he redshirted in 2018, and he opted out in 2020. He said, fuck COVID season. So he came in at five foot eight, 201 pounds at his pro day, probably plays at more like a 190, but people were happy to see him put on some of that mass because we worry about his ability to stay healthy at the next level. At that pro day, he ran a 4.44 and jumped 35 inches in the vertical, um, and that'll work. That's good enough. Like I said, only really played one year, uh, so that's the only one we're going to pay attention to. So as a redshirt freshman in 2019, he had 231 carries for 1,459 yards and 13 touchdowns. And here's the icing on the cookie. 51 receptions for 610 yards and three touchdowns through the air. So electric receiver here. Mitch, what do you think about Kenneth Gainwell? Well, how can you not be excited about Kenneth Gainwell? Like, this dude is skyrocketing up my boards. And everybody else is getting a little bit nervous because he doesn't show those traditional running back traits, which is actually what I love about the guy. His hands, his shoulders. Like, when he puts his shoulders down against Navy or Cincinnati, uh, it's just, like, it's incredible. His... His like 15, 20, 25 yard gains and then instincts kick in. His instincts are great. His hands as a wide receiver, like this this guy is one of those playmaker playmaker types with a running back body, and that's good because he's going to stay in the running back position. So wherever he gets drafted, it seems important. But I truly think that the only option is that he's going to be used to his strengths because he doesn't fit that prototypical running back type, right? So that's why I have him so high. I It's just the talent. It's really the talent, the wide receiver, the running back talent that, that keeps him as high as I do. I, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said there. I saw on the film a lot of good contact balance, good pad level. Um, he looks like a good running back. 
I do have some concerns. Like he he's fast. Okay, he's really fast. Uh, he's an excellent receiver. Uh, you can make the argument that he's actually a better natural receiver than Najee. I wouldn't, but I I wouldn't disagree with you if you tried to make that argument. Uh, but where Najee is an excellent excellent in the pass protection, I think Gainwell probably he he was young, right? He was just a freshman, like you said. Uh, he that's not that wasn't part of his game in 2019. And it's pretty impressive to be a freshman who uh, becomes a Doak Walker semifinalist, right? So I, I I understand why he opted out, but I would have liked to see some more film. Um, let's just remember that this is the guy that uh, kept, that made Antonio Gibson play as a wide receiver in college, right? So uh, that's, that's saying a lot uh, after what we saw in Washington last year. Uh, it, my, my big concern... I think I said it the same thing last week with Jamar Chase is he held out the year and there's no telling what effect that's going to have on this guy or any of the guys who just haven't played in a year. And I think it's an open question. And I think it's a fair question to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a little bit light uh, coming in at, at 200 pounds. Uh, so I guess there is a question about, is he going to hold up and taking those NFL hits? Cause those NFL linebackers hit a little bit harder than, uh, than those backers at Cincinnati and Navy do. Uh, so I guess there's a question about his level of competition as well. Um, but you know, hopefully Antonio Gibson cleared that up for him, uh, last year. It would have been nice if his 40 came in a little bit faster with the pro day adjustment. Um, you know, that puts his speed score at like the 50th percentile for his, his weight, which isn't really, um, you know, high enough to stand out at the pro level. So that's, that's a little bit of a red flag for me. I think the other thing is, is just compared to these other guys, there is a possibility he slips in the draft a little bit. So if he does go in the second or third round, then great. If he slips any further, then it could be trouble. We have Kenneth Gainwell at RB 30 in our overall ranks. So, you know, we're, we're relatively high on him in terms of when you include him with the veterans. I think he has a chance to be an Eckler type, although Eckler is a freak. So that's just an absolute ceiling comp. I think a better median comp would be someone like Chase Edmonds, who we have ranked one spot ahead of him in our overall consensus at 29. So I am also interested to see what his draft capital ends up as. If he gets that late second or anywhere in the third round, he's I think he's really going to cement himself at RB4, but that is far from a guarantee. Well, I'd like to throw this out there then, though. Like when you offer, the trade offer out there for Chase Edmonds, people don't get super excited about it, but people are getting excited about Gainwell. So that mm-hmm. do you honestly think you could you could make a trade Chase Edmonds for Gainwell? So I am the only one, I think, in our consensus. I believe I'm the only one that has Chase Edmonds ranked ahead of Kenneth Gainwell. So I'm pulling him up a little bit. I may be wrong there. Um, but I personally wouldn't trade away Chase Edmonds for Kenneth Gainwell. I know Chase Edmonds has a has a shot at that RB1 job in Arizona. I don't know what's going on with Gainwell right now, um, but I, I think you're right. I think a lot of people would probably bet on the promise of Gainwell. Yeah, I think I would too, and I, I definitely see the uh, the comparison there. The, the comp that I wrote down for today is uh, a guy who just got cut, uh, Gio Bernard. You know, He was another big pass catcher at the college level. And he's a guy who kind of had a successful career as the number two pass catching back. And I think that's kind of where Gainwell profiles. So he could complement another uh, lead guy like pretty nicely and occasionally get some uh, RB1 work. 
All right, well, um, we will move on to number five in DLF ADP, and that is from Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard. So this is a Canadian boy, uh, and he was a decorated sprinter in high school, so he holds a lot of Canadian records for the 100 meters. Comes in at his pro day at six foot flat, 210 pounds, and he ran a four five, which is disappointing for a track athlete, but he shows on film that it takes him a while to get up to really blazing speed, but he can get there. He did jump a 36 inch vertical, which is, you know, a great threshold. Um, as a redshirt freshman, he took over for an injured Justice Hill and he did pretty well. Then he explodes as the focal point of Mike Gundy's offense in 2019. 2019, 328 carries for 2,094 yards and 21 touchdowns. He also added 23 receptions and 198 yards to the air. Takes a pretty big step back in efficiency as a redshirt junior in 2020. 133 rushes for 625 yards and five touchdowns and effectively nothing as a receiver. And he also missed the last four games due to a high ankle sprain. Trey, um, what do you think about Chuba Hubbard? Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned the uh, the vertical because that's what I'm highlighting as well. I think that gives him a, a burst uh, score that's in the top 65th percentile, which is uh, is good enough to kind of stand out at the pro level um, and better than uh, Kenneth Gainwell, who we just talked about. Uh, where he falls short a little bit compared to Gainwell is is definitely in the pass catching, right? So 8.6% college target share is fine. It's not great. Um, and he's definitely small too. He's a little bit undersized with the, uh, the 28.2 BMI. So for a guy who had some ankle injuries, uh, his last year in college, uh, he, I think kind of looks like an injury risk to me. Um, you know, he's also profiling as kind of a role player. Uh, I've seen comps comparing him to, uh, you know, Tevin Coleman, uh, Devonte Booker, uh, depending on where you look, I could also see a little bit of, uh, a Javid best in him too, who, you know, came in highly touted as a, a Olympic sprinter and then, you know, flamed out due to concussions and injury issues. So definitely a, mi a mixed bag here. Uh, I think the risk to me, there's just a little bit more red flags than with Gainwell. So that's why he drops down a spot in my rankings. Yeah. It's a hard <laughs> no for me, chief. I'm not drafting this guy. I, I just think he doesn't show the instincts. He shows the speed, but it, it's a classic flame out in the NFL, and that's where I'm at. Like, he's off my boards. You could criticize Najee and Etienne for deciding to come back this year. Of course, they didn't know it was going to be the COVID year, but they could have reasonably gone out to the draft last year, and they would have similar draft capital. Uh, they weren't hurt too much by it, but, man, Chuba, he went from being a dope Walker finalist in 2019 to – Hardly anything like he did not do himself any benefit by putting any more film out there. Uh, he still got that speed and that acceleration. I, he, he rivals Etienne in that way, but he's not he of all the guys that we I watched to, uh, to prepare for this episode. He was by far the worst in pass protection. Like he's not going to be anything more than a first or second down back. He's got to be in, used in a system where he's going to be in the open field. Um, cause he's, he doesn't have a lot of physicality. I don't see, he's just a burner, right? So maybe he finds himself in that system. Uh, but that's going to fly against big 12 defenses. And I just, I'm trying to find, envision a situation in the NFL where he's going to find himself in those situations with those big holes, open space. And it's hard to place Chuba on a team where you think that's going to use his, the skills that he has. Uh, I, I'm not quite as low as Mitch is, but 
it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a primo landing spot for me to change my mind about Chuba right now. I've got him as uh, my RB9. Oh, wow. So so I'm the highest on him because I actually, I have him at five right behind Gainwell. And it's because of that, you know, early breakout production uh, as a sophomore and, you know, because of that speed and that burst, like we mentioned. So I could see him going on day two and, you know, all that together, uh, you know, still keeps him above the rest of the guys in this class to me at, at number five. And here's here's a really important point I want to make just just because I want to confirm what you just said. All these guys for me from like five to 15 could easily be reordered for me right now. And it's going to be 100 percent dependent on their draft capital. So you've got him at five. I could definitely see him as my RB five because it's just a whole big mess between RB five and 15 for me right now. Mitch, actually, let me get you in on uh, Chuba Hubbard before we move on. You know, he reminds me, so I was big on Justice Hill, and he reminds me of Justice Hill. He reminds me of the fuck-up you don't want to make at the end of the first. There's that helmet scouting again, right? There's that helmet scouting one more time. Wait, where's my helmet? Oh, oh, I found it. We said we weren't going to do this anymore, man. Well, here's the deal, man. Here's the deal. I wasn't listening last episode. And I hate you. <laughs> no, I just don't think he's good. Fuck your helmet. Fuck this. Like, I, I just, like, he went back to prove a point, and he screwed it up. And yeah. he's just he's just going to go in as a complimentary running back to the NFL, and he's going to have the name recognition, and he's going to helmet himself. I, I Like, I don't know, dude. No, I'm out. I'm out on Chuba. I wrote down... In my notes, uh, and John mentioned Etienne earlier in terms of speed, I wrote down seems like a destitute man's Etienne. You know, he can hit the home run when he's got a big lane, which he found plenty of in the Big 12, but that's about it. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to exploit those lanes at the next level, and he doesn't really break tackles. So I'm not super high on Chuba either, but uh, Trey's holding it down. So let's move on to another guy we're not super high on, but Dynasty League Football ADP has him at rookie RB6, and that is from Oregon State Jamar Jefferson. So he measures in at five foot 10, 206 pounds, ran a four, five, six, 40 yard dash at the Oregon state pro day and a 31 inch vertical, which is not very bursty. He had an all American freshman season, 239 carries for 1,380 yards and 12 touchdowns. And he also posted 25 receptions for 147, uh, for 147 yards after a down 2019 season where he dealt with some injuries He plays well in only six games as a junior where he posts 143 rushing yards per game, and that's fourth best in the FBS. John, what do you think about Mr. Jamar Jefferson, Oregon State Beaver? Uh, I'm going to say that there's not a lot that excites me about him. I think he's good, maybe average to above average in a lot of different categories, but there's nothing... Like all these other guys, we can point to one thing. It's like, yes, that's the thing that he's good at. Jamar, to me, is pretty good at everything i I don't want to call him just a guy but he has the potential to just be a guy in the nfl like a replacement level running back and that scares me a little bit because uh he's not i i think he's got really good vision uh but everything else is more or less just average or above average he was a doke uh walker semifinalist, um but i like good players on good teams and oregon state in the pac-12 is not uh, let's just say the defenses that we saw in the Pac-12 this year were not elite level. So you can you can say okay, 143 yards rushing, 
uh, per game. But that just really doesn't impress me. And I'm not sure that the skill set he has translates to the NFL. There's things about these other guys' games that I find really exciting. And then there's nothing that I saw from Jamar Jefferson that really excited me. So I've got him as my RB8. And I'm Jamar, if you're listening, this is your, I'm calling you out. Do something to impress me in the NFL. Prove me wrong, Jamar. Oh, Jesus. Trey, what do you think about Jamar Jefferson as a prospect? Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be on any of my teams unless he's uh, there in like the mid third round. Uh, he's number 10 running back for me. He's not projected to go in the first two days of the draft. Uh, he doesn't really have a good film score. He doesn't really have the athleticism or the work in the passing game uh, that really projects the next level. So uh, there's guys like Kyle Hill and uh, uh, Ramondre Stevenson that I would go before Jefferson here. He He's still ranked pretty high in DLF ADP. So we have him RB6 here, and he's currently the 205 in DLF rookie ADP. That's one QB leagues with all the other positions. So if you're taking him at his current price, according to D, uh, to DLF, you're choosing him over a guy like Tylen Wallace at the receiver position or Amon Ross St. Brown or maybe Justin Fields if you want to take a quarterback there. And that's a pretty high opportunity yeah. cost for a guy that it seems like we're pretty low on. Don't do that. Don't do that. Take the receiver or Justin Fields. In the second round, I like to draft for upside. And of all these guys, I feel like he's got the lowest upside. Like, I think well, he's because probably... he's just like good at playing running back. Like, I, I feel like we, we, we tend to forget about that. Like, he's just good at what he does. And we're under so Mitch disagrees. Well, definitely. Well, what else is new? I think I think if he falls to me at the beginning of the third round, I would take him there. That's where I would be comfortable taking him. Mitch, talk to us about what you like about um, Jamar Jefferson. Well, I like that he resembles a running back. And that's something that we tend to forget is that, like, he makes a good first cut and he gets a good seven yards. And, and like... Mm-hmm. So, like, we're looking for something outstanding, this burst, like something that I actually disliked in ETN, right? Where, like, he has no instincts, but he can run faster than fuck. Okay. So, like... ETN's got some instincts. I disagree. But, hey, we did that already, right? So, like, I, I, I just feel like this is a very underrated bright spot of the Oregon State team, right? Like, Oregon State is not something we're going to be just, like, humming about. But I think this is a very good player on an underrated team, and he's underrated, and he plays the running back position well. And this is a good sleeper pick. Like, this is a good late pick. Like, uh, I'm on... 205 is not late. Well, okay, I'm just saying, like, he could pay way more dividends than Amon Ross and Brown just because, like, you're you're sleeping on him. Well, so you said seven yards a pop on the ground. He's closer to 5.7 yards per carry. I didn't um, say that. That's for his life. career. So uh, that's one of the lowest out of this group. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't see the uh, the NFL potential with this guy. That's fair, but I didn't say it. Did I ever tell you guys that my dad almost went to Oregon State instead of Texas? Really? Well, that would have sucked, man. We never would have made this podcast. I, I would not exist if that happened. So shout out to my dad, Woo! Majid Ben Shreya. Majid, the original. Majid. <laughs> the original piss. We love you, Majid. Father of angry tea. Texas over Oregon State was a great choice. But I mean. Easy choice. You know, Oregon is a pretty cool place. So um, I don't know. Let's get away from Oregon and go back to North Carolina uh, with Mac Brown's Tar Heels. At number seven, according to DLF ADP, and we've got him a little bit higher in our consensus, his name is Michael Carter. So he's a senior running back. President Carter. President Carter from C- from UNC. 
Pookie's running mate. He came in at just under 5'8", 201 pounds at his pro day, where he ran a 4.5, which for his size, you'd like to see a little faster, but he had impressive short drills, so a 6.833 cone, so he does demonstrate that lateral speed in the testing. Two-year starter at North Carolina, 177 rushes for 1,003 yards as a junior, also 21 receptions for 154 yards, but only five total touchdowns in 2019. Stepped it up as a senior in 2020, 156 rushes for 1,245 yards at eight yards a clip on the ground, 25 receptions for 267 yards with 11 total touchdowns. So much better numbers on even fewer touches in 2020 than 2019. Mitch, I'm throwing it to you here. What do you think about Michael Carter? Well, I think we just talked about Javante Williams. Well, fuck. President Carter's over here catching the ball. Most of us are playing Dynasty in a format where PPR matters. So we're looking at Carter. We're looking at the guy that actually catches the ball out of the backfield. We're looking at a guy that's going to be drafted on a team with intent to use him for what he's good at. Yeah, I'm excited about this guy. Like, if you're drafted... Hope, hopefully. Well, sure, but, like, if you're looking at this guy... Like, say say you're in a dynasty league that drafts before... Or does a rookie draft before the, the rookies are actually drafted, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking at this guy as a, a player that can land on any team and catch the ball from any quarterback. And he's he's one of those guys that just has the versatility that, that deems him as a safe player. But... Also, he's not an every down running back either, right? So, uh, to me, he's a he's a very good player, and I'm excited to draft him, especially if I'm playing half point PPR or full point PPR. But uh, he's not one of those guys that's going to be an every down back. So, uh, where I I think I have him like uh, located a little higher than you guys do in our rankings. But if so, it's just barely. Yeah, so Mitch, he is your rookie running back six, um, and I have him at five. Yeah, but uh, overall, I think he's just, he's he's something you're going to feel good about drafting. He's going to be a good running back. I, I don't know. I'm happy about I'm happy about this guy. I'm I'm happy about his abilities beyond just running the ball soft hands. And like if you're a Javante Williams fan, you have to be a Carter fan. I don't know about that. John, you are uh you're the lowest on Michael Carter, so you have him at rookie RB10. So why don't you give us a little bit of the bear case? Uh well, with these I think all these guys except for Carter have the potential to be the the first option on their team. Uh but Carter he's a complimentary back. He's uh he's Naheem Hines. He's uh not angry Tarek Cohen. Uh <laughs> he, he uh, he's going to be a good PPR back. I agree with Mitch there, but, uh, and Naheem Hines still has value, right? Uh, but I, I could see myself being higher on Michael Carter, depending on the situation. He needs to be paired with that big back. Who's the first and second down guy. I would love, and Mitch, tell me if I'm wrong. I would love to see him as the second option behind Derek Henry, let Derek Henry pound the ball. And then he comes in third down as a pass catching back. What do you think of that? That would be fantastic, but it won't happen because we just want to run it four plays in a row and then turn the ball over on downs. But I I think that would be amazing. Yeah. If he's in the right situation, sure. But I think that he he's actually more situation proof than you guys think. I disagree with you there. Well, no shit. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a a wide range of uh, outcomes here with this guy. I mean, he doesn't really look like a, an NFL athlete to me. 
I've got him at number six, so he's kind of a, the top of my next tier after uh, Gainwell and Hubbard. Um, he definitely projects as a passing down guy, um, and apparently Player Profile thinks he looks, uh, excuse me, playerprofiler.com uh, thinks he looks a lot like Devontae Freeman. So that's huh. an incredible comp, and yeah. I guess if he ends up with Kyle Shanahan as his OC, then there's a pretty high ceiling. But uh, there's also an outcome where he isn't really even in the NFL in two or three years. So like I said, wide range of outcomes and definitely uh, landing spot base for me. Yeah, he's he's quick, not fast. Uh, looks like he's got some really good natural hands. Um, and he can evade arm tackles really well. He he usually kind of breaks that first tackle, but I don't think he's big enough to blow through NFL bodies like his teammate uh, Javante Williams did on a regular basis. Um, let's move on to our final back here in um, our second half via DLF ADP. RB8 is Trey Sermon. So this was a graduate transfer to Ohio State, spent his first three years at Oklahoma, Came in to his pro day at just over six foot, 215 pounds, ran a four, five, nine, 40, and had a nice 37 inch vertical. Looked good in his opportunities at Oklahoma, but he was kind of always sharing carries. Got to 947 yards as a true sophomore on 164 carries, then missed a lot of time in his junior year with a back injury. After transferring to Ohio State, uh, he started the year very slow, but he had a three-game stretch that was arguably the best of any back in this class, culminating in a 331-yard performance against a really good Northwestern defense in the Big Ten Championship. John, I know you're pretty high on Trey Sermon compared to the consensus. What do you think about this guy? Yeah, he's my uh, RB5 uh, currently, and with I, th- I could see a situation where he jumps game well for me. I think I've got him pretty ranked pretty close together. Uh, people forget that he came into the season injured. Um, I'm going to forgive him for a slow start. This was the COVID year. There was no off season. The Big Ten canceled the season and then decided two months later, ah, uh, in October, you know what? We'll, we'll we'll go ahead and play anyway. Mostly in part because of uh, Ohio State voicing that. So there was no off season. He was injured. It was always going to take this guy a long time to get warmed up. And to see the way that he exploded in these big time games, uh, I'm very excited about Trey Sermon. He, 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 to me, has all the qualities of a starting running back in the NFL. Uh, he's he's uh, he, he's the things that excite me about him are the way that he runs. I think he gets excellent pad level. Uh, some of these other guys, they look a little too upright. And uh, Trey Sermon, to me, just looks like he's got the explosion. He's not Kyle Pitts, but he's got the explosion. And I could definitely see him. I could definitely see him moving into my RB4 spot after the draft. Yo, he is so high for me. And he just keeps jumping up my draft board because he plays running back and he plays running back like a running back. And you watch his highlights. You watch Mitch loves that argument. Dude, okay. Running back. He's a he's a running back flavored running back. <laughs> it looks good out there. He he tastes he's he tastes like regular dr pepper right like like his his tape versus no dr b his tape versus northwestern and versus clemson his tape when it matters when it was versus indiana like dude when it matters this dude put it on this dude trucked people and like his open field jukes he looked fluid he looked like a good running back 
And really, what's wrong with a running back that's peaking at the right time at the end of his senior season? And so I'm just saying, so he looks as good at the end of his senior season. We're excited about it because he's running people over, stiff arming them, looking like an NFL running back. Like, this is exciting. He played for Ohio State. His competition is good. And he's breaking out at the end of his college career. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of things to like about this guy. I don't really have much else to add. Uh, he's number seven in my ranks right behind uh, uh, President Carter. I could see an argument to put him above him. I think one of the things that's going to work against Sermon is he's probably going to uh, drop to day three of the draft. So he's probably going to also drop to the third round of the um, the rookie draft for me, too, for that reason. Well, yeah, Trey and I actually talked about this today like i actually had him and carter neck and neck but then i go uh but like most people play half ppr or ppr and carter's just gonna get those catches but as far as a football player goes as far as a Tarek, as you said as far as a running back that tastes like running back goes like sermon just he gets the juices flowing. You want to draft him, and like, yeah. oh, it's a good. He's a good fucking player. I I think he's got really high upside, and I think a lot of the knocks on him that you see really tape oriented people give him, um, like uh, Dane Brugler just released his 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 beast on the athletic, and the knocks on him were like inconsistent pad level. So John said he liked his pad level, but tape guys say he's maybe a little inconsistent there. He does, he's got a lot of focus drops and he's got bad technique in blocking, but he's a willing blocker. So that's analysis directly from Dane Brugler. And what that says to me is a lot of very coachable things. Indeed. So yeah, I, I think agree. if he, if he lands in a good situation, that's going to coach him up and, you know, he starts as a handcuff and gets an opportunity via an injury. I think he can shine at the next level. So I think this is a guy that I'm much more comfortable taking in the second round, mid second round of a rookie draft over someone we talked about earlier, like Jamar Jefferson. Love it, Derek. Agree. Trey, um, I before we close out the show, I wanted to throw it to you to give us a quick word on Mississippi State product Kylan Hill because we have him in our consensus top eight, but he wasn't in DLF. So why don't you give us a quick opinion on him? Yeah, so I, I mentioned I've got this third tier here between uh, Carter and Sermon. So that tier includes uh, Hill. And he's another guy who could drop into day three of the draft, but if for some reason he sneaks up um, into day two, then obviously that would be pretty exciting. He looks a lot like Sermon. Uh, they're about the same size, about the same BMI. Uh, there are also both guys where they're not the fastest on the 40, but they've got good burst scores. And mm-hmm. unlike Sermon, uh, Hill was actually used in the passing game in that Mississippi State offense. So he caught more than uh, 20 passes as a sophomore and as a senior. He had a 7.8% uh, college target share, which is fine. It's not great, but it's better than some of the other guys that you're going to find in this range. So the comp right now on uh, um, NFL.com with Lance Zerlane is uh, Peyton Barber. So that certainly doesn't get me excited. It's a little bit of a plotter. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, but he could uh, he could be a guy who scores some touchdowns at the next level and maybe develops into a starter. Well, Trey, do you want me to get you less excited? Yeah, go for it. Let me tell you, he he <laughs> he really reminded me of Brandon Oliver. And if you guys remember this guy, right? That's a throwback. Yeah, right. The human bowling ball for the Chargers, right? Like... This dude takes one cut and just lowers his shoulder and just goes for it. And I fucking love it, right? Like, it's exciting. 
but I don't know how well it translates. And like, he might be a flash in the pan, but like, as far as drafting him goes, I'm I'm not into that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the uh, NFL teams think on draft day. I mean, he's not projected to go day two, like I said. So um, if that's the case. The, the ceiling's kind of low. I was listening to Mina Kimes podcast recently and, and she had Spencer Haw on as a guest um, who's an NFL draft analyst. And he said that you talk to SEC players like SEC defenders and they're really scared by Kylan Hill because of not only his kind of bowling ball attributes that Mitch just referenced, but also he's got some underrated speed on the field. So hearing that made me a little bit more excited about him. Uh, I have yet to really dig into his tape, so I'm not going to make a declarative statement about it, but I'll, I'll be interested to see where he gets drafted in the NFL draft. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Uh, We just finished up our second half. Let me give you our eight running backs before we close out. Number one was Najee Harris. Number two, Travis Etienne. Number three, Javante Williams. Number four, Kenneth Gainwell. Number five, Chuba Hubbard. (laughs) Number six, Jamar Jefferson. Number seven, Michael Carter. And number eight, Trey Sermon with a little Kylan Hill kicker. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Next week, we're talking about quarterbacks and tight ends before we get into some fucking NFL draft content. So excited about that. All right, homies. Say bye to the listeners. Adios, muchachos. Bye. Bye, listeners. We love you. Peace.